Hey team, welcome to The Offseason. The Offseason is an exploration of athletic health, recovery, and performance told through stories of athletes and their medical and training team. I hope you enjoy. Now for a quick but mandatory medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of naturopathic medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this material is at user's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they may have and should seek assistance from their trusted healthcare professional for any condition. This podcast does not speak on behalf of naturopathic medicine and does not represent the views of the profession as a whole. Hey guys, welcome back to the off season. Today I am talking to Jordan and Roland from Designs for Sport. So Designs for Sport is a supplement company trying to bridge that gap between functional naturopathic medicine and athletes. I've mentioned a million times on this podcast how difficult it can be sometimes to treat athletes and also find NSF certified and safe for sport products. So these guys are really breaking this down and I think uh, there's tons of insight on this podcast and you can kind of see where I'm coming from when there's not a lot of great products out there safe for athletes, but they're also presenting with tons of conditions that need support. So yeah, check it out. On another note, The Offseason has a new home on Instagram. You can find it at, at the offseason period podcast. Go give us a follow. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Offseason. Um, what are you guys up to today? Um, we're here doing a podcast with you, which is very exciting. We're having a tea. Oh, it's a little rainy. We're in Toronto, so it's like one of those gray days, which... Um, it's perfect for tea and podcasting, I feel. <laughs> what kind of tea are you drinking? Much, uh, green, no wait, super green tea. <laughs> super green tea. <laughs> I love it. My antioxidants um, on. Yeah, definitely. So why don't you tell the listeners who you are and, and what you're all about? We'll start with you, Jordan. So my name's Jordan Boxer, <laughs> and I am currently the Director of Sales for Designs for Sport, which is a newer brand of a company and an offshoot uh, of the parent company, Designs for Health which is a professional nutraceutical line that's been around for 31 years. And this new line that we're coming out with is um, it's designed for athletes and trainers and coaches of athletes as well with the general public. And a big focus of ours is to actually bring what we did so well with designs for health and the functional medicine and naturopathic space into sports performance. And another thing that we're really standing by is working very closely with NSF certified for sport to make sure all of our supplements can be used by everyone. So whether you're a general population person who is going to a trainer to get in better shape or you're a high performing athlete who's competing in the Olympics or professional realm, we want to make sure that you can uh, use our products and, and not worry about any sort of tampering with the supplements. So I love this so much. Like if anyone who's consistently listened to this podcast, I probably say at least once an episode how I can't wait for, you know, this product line to start to come out and, and be able to use it because, you know, as we'll talk about in this podcast, and I think we'll get pretty heavily into it of why this is so important. Um, before we go there, Roland, tell me about you. Well, my name is Roland Pankowicz. It's a fun last name to pronounce, as Jordan alluded to. African uh, Good Irish last name. Irish last name, yeah. Well, I guess uh, as a, an official title, when it relates to Designs for Sport, I would be the Director of Education. It's my job to essentially create all the educational content to support 
not only the, um, the nutraceuticals and the effects that they have on the people that take them, but also to educate all the end users on what it is, why is it important, how to use them in the, in the context of the actual products themselves. Uh, it's pretty exciting. We've created an education course that goes with this, this supplement line, which I think is probably the first the, of its kind in terms of that being something for the sports industry. Yeah, I, I, there are a lot of education courses, but you know, the way I got designs for sport create is I actually went on the, I went gym to gym and I interviewed and I did a survey with a hundred different trainers of, of different calibers. Some who are very high end trainers, some who are just starting out, some that deal with professional athletes, some that deal with general population. And one thing that was consistent is trainers want to be able to know how to use supplementation and to be able to provide it to their clients. But a lot of them felt that they didn't just have the right education. So they might do like typical courses, like let's say CanFit in Canada, or maybe they have a CSCS and they're a designated coach, but they don't really, there wasn't really an option for them to go to really understand how to use nutrition for their client, um, especially when it came to supplements. So one thing with Designs for Sport that was crucial for us is we want to have an education platform an academy so that coaches could come to us and not only get great products but get the education they need to be able to provide those products to their client and that's where you know Roland steps in and I think you know I'm biased because obviously I like the work that we're doing but I think it's gonna be one of the most in-depth introductory courses that that are that's out there especially for this and it's more than just how to use supplements it's um well it's a combination of nutrition biochemistry some functional medicine I mean just to complete your question my background was in athletics myself. I did martial arts for many years, uh, then got into the exercise world as a, a trainer and a strength coach and wanted more from that. So I went to school for holistic nutrition, which then allowed me to start teaching at a school. So I got the experience of educating. Uh, and then I worked with a company that shall remain nameless that's in the natural supplement area as well. And my whole idea was, okay, there's sports, there's sports performance, but what about health? And I got a little taste of that in the concept of how this company was growing, but it didn't materialize into, I guess, the ultimate vision that it could have. So I started doing a little more on the clinical side. I run a clinical practice in Toronto, which is international, work with pro athletes, as well as um, I will call them like executive CEO types. And uh, it's kind of pulling on this, this experience in history I've had. I, I asked myself the question, what would I have liked to have known? as a strength coach when people ask me health-related questions. So I'm trying to download seven years of studying and experience and knowledge into a course, and hopefully the introductory course will only be where it begins, not where it ends. I would like to uh, push it towards an education academy because I don't think there's much, and I don't want to use the term incorrectly, but health functional medicine influence in the sports world yet that is popular, and I would like to change that. Yeah, that's, that's super awesome. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear that. I think like when we speak to supplements, most people's head goes to like protein powder and branched chain amino acids and, you know, all of the basics. And there's so many companies out there just replicating that line. So what would you guys say to um, like a base understanding of when we talk about supplements, what are we talking about here? So to actually it's placate the right word to placate to what you just said. I don't know. I'm going to sound ridiculous, but sure, we'll take um, it. <laughs> when I was doing some uh, market research in the NSF certified for sport arena, cause that's where we're going into, we, you know, for those who don't know what NSF for certified or certified for sport is when it comes to being a competitive athlete, whether you're an Olympian, 
a collegiate athlete who's in the NCAA or a professional like in the NFL, NHL, uh, UFC. Like there's a lot of strict guidelines around supplements because we've all seen in media where somebody blows over or, you know, their test, their, their testosterone comes back inflated or maybe DHEA or I've heard story, stories of clenbuterol come, come in on a blood test. And the athletes are like, I didn't do this. I've only been taking supplements. Um, NSF certified for sport, what it does, it's, the, it's really the gold standard to testing supplements. And they are the leaders in testing for banned substances and supplements. Because unbeknownst to a lot of people, what's in a supplement on the label might not be what's actually in the supplement. So this is really a, a safety net for the professional athlete to know that okay, I'm taking this multivitamin. I know everything in here is actually in here and there isn't anything extra. So that's really NSF certified for sport. And we're really proud to be part of this. Um, when, when I was doing some research back in April, there were 499 products in the whole world that are certified for sport through NSF. And I would say 80 to 90% of them were protein powders, branch chain amino acids or aminos, um, some sort of energy concoction, like whether it's a pre-train or something like that, and multivitamins. So with where we come from and with what you do with your clients, it doesn't really leave you with too many options to really optimize somebody's health and get them into a good spot. So one thing that was really important to us is we actually, we got a little brain child together, a brain trust of some leaders in the space, who a lot of them are now part of our sport advisory board. And we asked them what would they in a wish list world, like if they could, if they had a genie and they could, you know, wish for anything in the space, what supplements would they want to have to actually be able to achieve optimal health with their athletes? And we're bringing in 23 products, which makes us one of the largest in the NSF certified for sport. And a lot of things which you don't find like curcumins or mitochondrial products or products for insomnia, for brain health, um, for immunity, for I'm trying to think what else we have detoxing like we, we have yeah. GI health which is huge I'm sure mm -hmm. you've spoken about this with a lot of your patients like you got to start in the gut so I'm very proud that we have a lot of like I think we have about 10 products that we are the only person to have them in the certified for sports space um, even something simple as like HCL hydrochloric acid for digestion which I think both you would agree is probably like a foundational for a lot of people there's really not anything in the digestive enzyme space um, if you need it to be certified for sport Yep. So, you know, it's, we're bringing sort of a large breadth of products to this realm. Yeah. And it's super tough, uh, especially as a practitioner, when you know, kind of the background and the physiology and exactly what would help this athlete and what the state that they're in um, and how to help, but you have one hand tied behind your back. So you have to think of like a million different other ways to go about treating something when it could just be as easy as, you know, a safe HCL betaine supplement that's going to fix their gut health, you know, or fix their problem with a little bit of lifestyle management, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just find um, this really excites me. And I think the more education kind of like Roland, what you're talking about, this training program is going to be huge, right? So if most coaches had this baseline knowledge or most trainers had this base, baseline knowledge of the whole person and how we have to look at all of these pillars of health to produce a good athlete. Um, that would be huge, right? Of course. I mean, the word health as a definition, I don't even think a lot of people have a, a unified agreement on how they would define the word health. Like how, how do you know an athlete's healthy? Is it they have low body fat percentage? Is it their numbers in the gym are good? Mm -hmm. 
it's all subjective, right? So the thing that I always try to educate people, especially athletes, is you have to consider yourself as different. It's like when you're treating someone with, say, an autoimmune condition or someone who's had some kind of, you know, surgery where their body's not the same as it was before. An athlete has a lot of specific conditions because they ask more of their body than a regular human does. And the analogy or the, the comparison I would use is, you know, if you have a racing car and you have a family car, what you're asking of your family car is, I don't know, go to the grocery store, pick up the kids from school, last a long time, but performance is not really an important thing. But family cars get maintained and with regular maintenance, they work well. A race car has like a racing engineer and it's got three mechanics and it's got a driver and it's got a guy whose sole job is to figure out what the tire pressures are to gain half a second on a racetrack. That's the athlete. But if you don't maintain that race car because you thrash it, then it falls apart or it doesn't perform the same way. So, I, I mean, I try to use these basic things to get the point across to athletes that just because you show up to practice and that you may be performing well, you might not be healthy. Like you can be fit to run a marathon, but you cannot be healthy. You can be healthy, but not fit to run a marathon. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really establishing some foundational pieces there. And that's the, the perspective to which I'm bringing to the education side. Yeah, I, I love that. Go ahead, John. I'll ask you guys this. Like, when I, one of the most eye-opening things I found is when I actually started getting into this space, from the outside, you think professional athletes are super healthy because they're performing. Oh, no, no, no. So, um, <laughs> you know, we have Gary Roberts, who's part of our sport advisory board, and I know you had uh, Sylvian who works with him. Yeah. I did an interview with him on our strength and conditioning summit we did back in April. And what was so eye-opening to me there is, like, he was a professional hockey player at the highest level on a Stanley Cup team. Like, and he's like, I ate beer and I had chicken wings and beer. I was on the beer and wing diet. And it's like his genetics got him so far, but then he was injured and, and things started to shut down. And what was interesting is he like redeveloped his whole career around being very healthy and went from a 10 year career to a 22 year career. And that was really just, it wasn't anything, it was training properly and stuff, but it was really just treating himself to getting to the healthiest, you know, I know we say we don't know what health is, but to get to that healthiest point. But with you two, because you guys both um, deal with athletes, how many percentage-wise would you say come in and they're actually, quote-unquote, optimally health healthy beings? How do you feel being interviewed on your own podcast? Sorry. No, I love it. It's, it's a good conversation starter. And, and I think it's exactly like you say, too. A lot of the, the pushback or the feedback that I get is like um, – I'm doing fine. Like I made the team, I'm in the league, I'm whatever, insert blank comment here. Um, and I'm doing just fine. Like people always refer back to like Gretzky's pregame meal of a hot dog, right? And he was like the best, you know? But the, these are talking about anomalies a little bit too, you know? And then I'm like always thinking how much better could someone be or how much longer could we allow them to um you know, have output at the highest level. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like where I, that's my response to a lot of that stuff. And um, really when we think about it, there's so much room for opportunity and it, and it still kind of blows my mind how little amount of athletes are actually using everything at their disposal to be awesome. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a little, like to me, if I was an athlete, I'd be like, this is it. I'm all in, but there's some guys who just have such great natural talent and things are working out for them that they don't necessarily feel the need. But like one player that I really look to that I think is doing things really well is Connor Carrick. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Mm -hmm. uh, he played for the Leafs for a bit. Now he plays for New Jersey. 
and he has a he you know he has a really good sort of podcast documentary and he has his um his own youtube channel where he catalogs everything he's doing and he's like really living the biohacker dream of eating healthy training properly recovering and it's exciting to me to see that there are athletes out there starting to buy into the whole thing or you know we see lebron and i think he spent something like a million dollars on his body and his health mm-hmm. um, or even if you look at last dance like what just came out a bit ago michael jordan when they got destroyed by the pistons went all in into training and trying to get whatever edge he could so it's it is interesting that there's some guys who buy fully into it but then there's a lot of players and, and athletes who just sort of do what they've always been doing yeah and that huge lack of education piece like a lot of guys sit across me and and you hear their story and I do a really in-depth intake with them. Um, and most of the stuff I speak of, they've never heard of, you know, or have never come across it or no trainers speaking about it, or, um, you know, it's never come across their table before. No coaches are talking about it. So the fact that you guys are putting this education piece together is massive, right? To even bring it to the table. What is an example of some of those things? Um, so like, the sympathetic and parasympathetic response, you know, and how to be able to manage your, um, yeah, nervous system essentially, and how to be able to control it ever so slightly to your advantage for performance. And then like digestive health is another massive one, right? And there's so many things that we could do for digestive health and even, you know, food sensitivities and stuff like that. There's so much out there um, that these guys are just kind of pounding away at their bodies and just trucking through and expecting some sort of miracle in the long run, I feel. Yeah. As you mentioned during the call, I had a couple ideas come up. This <laughs> Sorry, I had my own podcast for a while. Um, when asking uh, the question of why some people don't care, I think this is something that I've realized. So Jordan asked, how many athletes have you seen who are optimally healthy? I don't think there is one person that isn't free of something, right? As a pro athlete, you place yourself under more stress than the vast majority of people, especially taking the sport into consideration. It's not so much that what they do might elevate their performance from a perceived level that they might be able to feel like if someone's a genetic very genetically gifted person they can only get so much faster or so much stronger within the parameters of training and what the human body can do and if someone squats 50 extra pounds you know how much are you going to see that show up in a a sports specific scenario i don't know i think the area of opportunity is in the in-between from training to performance in the context of recovery in the context of how they, their body feels in terms of how often are they sick? How much do their joints hurt? Stuff like that. I think where this stuff really comes in is all the time surrounding training where you're not relying on stress hormones, where you're not pushing your energy metabolism processes. This is where dealing with your GI system or your parasympathetic tone or managing inflammation or oxidative stress, that's where the opportunity comes in. And it's every year you invest in that you likely will achieve some degree of reserve that will allow you to find longevity in your career. And why does that matter? It might not be in the performance context that they can instantly feel a measure, but if you can make a few extra million dollars a year by extending your career by three to five years, that helps. Or if you're not an absolute mess who's getting two knee replacements after you've stopped being a professional athlete because you have no cartilage left, that helps. So, you know, the, the way I look at it is if you can indoctrinate a crop of young athletes who can rely on pure talent and ability and still eat 
french fries and burgers and drink pop and it doesn't necessarily affect them until it does if you can uh, prevent them from running into that inevitable wall of physiology and its limitations that's where it shows up it's hard to sell people that based upon a future forward context but i think that's the perspective that sports needs to really start taking because drinking Gatorade and pounding whey protein and all that stuff, yes, there is some degree of use, but there's also a lot better that can be done. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, this sort of reminds me, like another member of our board, David Lawrence, he had a gym grand opening right before COVID shut everything down. So I think in March, and we went out for dinner with one of his clients who's nine or 10 years into the NFL now. And sitting with him, he's like, I'm so happy that the Antonio Browns of the world don't know what I know because I probably wouldn't be in the league then. And he was like, I like he's dialed in and he credits the proper training, the proper supplementation, the proper diet to getting more than two or three years in the NFL and getting eight or nine to Roland's point. Like even a low level guy in that league, you're making half a million or a million dollars a year. What does that do for your life to get an extra five years? And even on top, you know, instead of just focusing on the money, like how much, better of a person are you in all your facilities like your mood and everything else if you're living a healthy life and that's where i think also is the motivation for designs for sport it's yes we're focusing on athletes and performance but we want to be able and this i learned from charles poliquin who was one of my mentors everyone who comes into your gym if you're a trainer is an athlete whether you're a professional athlete or a gen pop and i think that's where it gets really exciting for me as we get to do all these things in the high-end performance world but we also want to apply the same principles to people who are coming in three, four days a week to a personal trainer, or maybe they're doing distance training with that trainer and they're getting treated like an athlete because I think optimizing their health as well, you're going to see some great changes in the world. And that's yeah. my excitement for, with, with designs for sport. Yeah. And that trickle down effect too. Like we're all looking up to the greats to see what they're doing, you know? So if this is becoming more of the norm or if this is being pushed into the sports world a little bit more, then there's that huge trickle down effect where everyone kind of wants to be doing what the pros are doing because it's perceived greatness, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, For kind of what's coming down the line or what's your guys's projection like what are you hoping for with all of this how um how would sports i was just gonna say world domination <laughs> um, we're in each other we work a lot with each other so we probably you know share some of our thoughts you don't want to know what goes on this side no <laughs> uh well that's maybe the podcast so uh roland what is what is because roland's really the um, you know, this, this first course is just the start. We're going to have, we, the idea is to have a whole academy with Roland and some of our other sport advisory board uh, create whatever their zones of geniuses are and offering it to the world. So yes, nutrition is one, but we're going to have someone who's an expert in lifting and like, how do you increase your squat or how do you get better on your 40 or, you know, just different things. Um, but what is your ultimate vision? Ultimate vision? Yeah. Um, if I can give my grandiose plan, I would like the degree of um, mindfulness, consideration, and commitment that we see in the functional medicine world as it relates to health and illness be paralleled in the sport world. Because, as you said, I think sports nutrition is very far behind. Um, And it's for, I mean, sometimes the limitations are imposed based upon organizations and sanctioning bodies. But there's also, to a degree, a different level of interest. And I don't think it's something that's being put on people's radars. So my ultimate plan is to be the go-to resource using, you know, Designs for Sport is a fantastic platform that's going to cater to a market that's asking for this and to push them to become 
kind of addicted to health and wellness and the, uh, the march towards mastery of things. You know, like I would love for a trainer to be able to understand the anti-inflammatory and the pro-inflammatory genetic pathways that get pushed by leaky gut. Or I would like to be able to talk about mitochondrial dysfunction and how it relates to neurological function or stuff of that nature. I think we have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a gigantic nerd, so I, this is what I do in my free time. And I would like other people to join me in these conversations. And eventually, this can affect um, a young generation of athletes who grow up with this stuff as part of their regular habits. You know, you said it best. We look for the, the pros for the trickle down effect. If Sidney Crosby or LeBron James or all these people are now Tom doing Brady. health things, Tom Brady's done a great job yeah. to popularize that, then it's going to make young kids want to do it because they want to emulate their idols. People don't buy on logic. No one's going to be like, I'm going to get my organic acids tested because that sounds like a great idea to me. But if they hear Michael Jordan has done something or whoever, there's going to be that desire to want to be like them. Wasn't be like Micah saying, yeah. like, didn't they use that as a marketing ploy to sell thousands of millions of shoes? I did not. You're going to have to go do that right now, actually. <laughs> Maybe I'll finish the podcast. But that, that's my ultimate plan. Um, and then let this brand grow to be, you know, more than just a supplement line, to be a go-to resource for people who want to excel in this industry. Definitely. Yeah, that's, yeah. Sorry, you go on. No, I, I think that's huge. And I think your initial summation of kind of what your plan is, is would be right alongside everything most practitioners who work in the sports world would dream of too, right? Um, and I think this education piece is going to be massive. And I really like how, yes, supplements are a part of it, but it's also like this widespread whole human approach to health and wellness, you know? Everything affects everything, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's in the word. It's a supplement. It's not a replacement for the real thing. So if you can give someone the power to understand, you know, where in the puzzle that curcumin fits and what pathways that it intersects with and what the use of that is. And in some cases, what the negative might be of using it at the wrong time, that's power to influence something. Mm-hmm. That's hopefully what people are going to be willing to pay for. So we can elevate the, the quality of this industry to where you have a lot of people who can become successful in their craft as a result of them having the commitment to put in the work to learn everything. Yeah, I think this is like a good opportunity to to maybe segue into um, a little bit of insight as to like what you're going to be talking about. So if we kind of break it down, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, so chime in otherwise, but there's kind of pillars to the to the health uh, realm. And, and usually I categorize it as like sleep, nutrition, exercise, and then the lifestyle stuff, which I throw in like breath work and, you know, inflammation reduction and all that sort of stuff. Would you guys agree or would you have a different set of pillars that you would go off of? I think those, I mean, those are the, those are the foundational pieces. And then to kind of drill down or up, depending on how you want the visual representation, it's like what in those areas are what you can affect and what you focus on. Mm -hmm. Like in a clinical setting with athletes, I have three or four major areas that I kind of zero in on. One is GI health and the microbiome. The other is mitochondrial dysfunction or function. Uh, The third one is inflammation. And then whatever, like everything kind of extends out from there. Mm-hmm. And it's looking at those things based upon what comes back, say, in, in the context of testing or when someone might be presenting as a, a symptom or a, an imbalance. And if you can zero in on those areas and understand how everything kind of intersects, you have amazing, tremendous power to influence someone positively because everything affects everything. So in the context of the course that we're building, uh, we've divided it up into uh, macronutrients. As a, this, the, these are the modules, macronutrients. 
micronutrients, so vitamins, minerals. Uh, we talk about GI health, and I've created two delineations. One's about the digestive system and digestion itself, like going down to the basics of why HCL is needed for protein denaturation. Then we go into the microbiome, the gut immune system, and dysbiosis. Uh, we talk about inflammation, which was a fun one to record because that's a simple pathway as everyone knows. That was in, my brain was inflamed at the end of it. <laughs> we get into energy metabolism and fat loss, and then some elements of including like hormones and satiety and metabolism. Yes, we talk about mitochondrial function, and I managed to create some analogies for the electron transport chain and all that fun stuff like the Krebs cycle. Man, uh, I'm going to have to get a hold of this stuff. <laughs> I, I know someone who can get you into the course. <laughs> awesome. uh, and then the last thing we did was um, the physiology of hypertrophy. Going down to the mechanisms of what are the on and off switches and how do you influence those and things. What is that? Well, if you pronounce it properly, they might be. Like <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like, what are you saying? Like, muscles bigger. Correct. Yeah, real world application for this. So if we like break it down for the people who are listening, this is Roland, I'm the same as you. I kind of go higher level and then try to break it down. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely have the nerd aspect like written all over me 90% awesome. of the time too. So um, Jordan, I'm sure you have a little nerd in you as well. Hey. <laughs> so I think like maybe uh, going through a couple of examples may be beneficial for listeners. So um, one thing that I see quite often is like concussion management. Would you be comfortable kind of like walking through um, how understanding and interpretation of holistic health would be beneficial to you managing a concussion? Yeah, it's actually quite interesting you said that because I have a client who's in the NFL. He just got his bell rung pretty good. And um, I did a little like emergency kit for him, but we did talk about some of the things that happened. You know, a lot of people don't realize that you know, we all know there's a gut barrier, right? We have these things called tight junctions. And the analogy I use is if you've ever seen a brick and mortar building, you know, the, the, the cells of your GI system are the bricks and the tight junctions are the mortar. So nothing can penetrate through. When you have leaky gut, it's like the mortar would evaporate and there's a breezeway right through the building. The same structure of proteins that essentially seals your gut also seals your brain. So they're finding now when you have leaky gut, you can have leaky blood brain barrier, which allows things to cross that barrier that will cause neural inflammation and various activation of immune cells and neurons in the brain in an inflammatory context. But that goes both ways. If you have a concussion, your GI system, which communicates via your brain and spinal cord to your enteric nervous system becomes dysfunctional to a, de to a degree as well. So what ends up happening is you have issues with your GI system, you have things that are meant to be removed when you, can I swear? Can I say? Yeah, go for it. When you take a shit, for lack of a better description, <laughs> you have toxins that are meant to get out of your system now translocating into your bloodstream, like food toxins, bacterial toxins, and those things start to circulate in your bloodstream and can get into the blood-brain barrier and cause further inflammation. Even further down the pathway, you have issues with your hypothalamus, which connects to your your thyroid and your adrenal axis so you have issues with cortisol management and most people don't realize that athletes who have serious brain issues and, and tbi trauma have years of issues with growth hormone and testosterone secretions because nothing's working properly anymore all the signaling pathways when they're inflamed it's like people talking to each other with their fingers in their ears and this is all because you got hit in the head and that's like you guys what was it like seven eight years ago when the ufc allowed trt um testosterone replacement therapy mm -hmm. 
because and everyone's like wait why would these these guys are super muscular and you wouldn't look at them and think they had low testosterone but i think the the theory was like they were getting hit in the head so much that when they they would go get tested they actually had like low levels of testosterone so they wore a candidate for trt and these are super healthy people but yeah, and, and it can extend out from there. I mean, you can paint any morbid picture of what happens when there's a lot of trauma and inflammation, but most athletes would probably just say, yeah, I just, I mean, I have a little bit of a headache. I was told not to look at my phone or my computer for a while, but they don't realize what's going on under the surface. And if you return to play too early and you're not fully healed with brain inflammation, you can't make decisions the same way. Your neurocognitive reflexes and your ability to even regulate your mood are compromised. So I mean, just from that, you know, you're dealing with three or four different body systems in conjunction with, you know, downregulation of energy production, which won't ever help an athlete. And you get that. This is what gets me excited about this. Like, and it's going to, as like the layman person here. So um, we're coming out with college. So we have this thing, this product called Collagen Complex. And there's three special forms of collagen or, or patented forms of collagen within our collagen. That's why it's called the complex. And one of them actually increases your bone mineral density, I want to say between five and 7%, which reduces fracture rate like 40%. So you're talking about concussion, which happens very often. What happens if we get an athlete's bone mineral density up from doing this preventatively, and then they're getting hit in the head, but their skull has become, uh, it's, it's more, well, you don't want a more, I guess, saying a more dense skull, but <laughs> yes, you, have a really thick skull. you got a really thick skull, but no, you're, then you're, you can take more trauma and it's like, what is the interest or the compound interest to your fracture rate going down 40% as an athlete? So let's say even for brain health or taking something like our curcumin, which reduces inflammation. Um, and, and that's where I get really excited is from a sports fan side, what would happen if, you know, I don't want to beat up on a player, but let's say Derek Rose had somebody really take care of his health and, and he was not as prone to injury. What would his career look like? And then being able to take those people like you were mentioning earlier and, and, and putting those principles to the general public and how they perform then in their life, how they are as a father or mother, how they are as a friend, like just having this elevated form of health, I think is the, really the baseline to anything else that you want to do in your life. A little bit. Yeah. But, um, and I, I like think, that yeah. you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, the, that's the. You know, legally, no, but um, <laughs> uh, is it legal? Uh, some places it's legal now. So, um, but that's, you know, when you ask Roland, like, or we were talking about the big picture, that's really the big picture I see with this line is like, we can, these small changes would seem like, oh, you can increase your bone mineral density 7%. To someone might seem like, what 7%? I don't really care. But then what is the profound effect on their health and their bone health past that? So I think, um, you know, getting these trainers who there's half a million trainers in the U S that's huge. Yeah. That's crazy. Let's say the average trainer is only seeing 10 people. They all need to take this course, by the way. <laughs> Discount codes available. So, you know, <laughs> let's, let's say you're only seeing 10 people, 5 million people, but there's, there's definitely way more than 5 million people who go to trainers. So what is the influence we're going to have, be able to have on health when, you know, when I talk to trainers, a typical day of theirs might be a client coming in like, yeah, I didn't really sleep that well. Like, what, what do you have for sleep? Like, they're really becoming the GPs of natural health. So Roland's course is super exciting to me because it is giving them those tools to be able to start to have those conversations. And, you know, one thing I learned from 
several people, and I know there's only this 80-20 rule, but 80% of people get much better when you actually take care of the basics. And then what that does is leave the 20% of people like you were talking about coming to you who the basics have already been covered, but they need something deeper. They need, they need that naturopathic uh, you know, perspective to really get better. And I'm not saying Roland's course is going to make everyone an expert right away, but it's really a solid step in that direction. That's the advantage. Yes. <laughs> Click here for more. Um, I, I agree. And I think like um, a lot of what I've been seeing on like social media and stuff is like this uh, scarcity mindset of um, your take uh, like influencers or trainers and all that sort of stuff are taking away capacity from um, dietitians or uh, functional medicine practitioners or um, naturopathic doctors. And there's so many people in the world so many people. that need so much help. So I'm, I, I never feel that way, but the only hesitation I feel is like good information getting out there and, you yeah. know, well-researched appropriate information getting out there. So um, I think that that's a hesitancy with a lot of people, but what's your kind of thought on that? Or what's your guys' comment on like, that? I'm going to actually quote one of my mentor friends, his name's Sachin Patel. So he runs something called perfect practice and he, he helps mentor chiropractors in functional medicine. And he's like, we are actually grossly underprepared for the health crisis out there. Like there's not enough practitioners. So I would see this very often when I worked at Designs for Health where a lot of naturopaths, naturopaths felt like, oh, there's 20 of us in the city. We can't, there's no business here. But if you actually look at it, 20, like what is it? What can a naturopath see? 300 patients maybe effectively? Or let's say a trainer. How many, how many people can a trainer actually train? Mm -hmm. 20 or 30 clients? Yeah. There's 500,000 trainers in the US. There's 300 million people. There, it's, there's so much... Um, we are actually, I think, grossly underprepared for the health crisis that might be looming one day. So um, I think getting more and more, and more educated people is just going to create more awareness to what, uh, what's actually out there. And I think that that whole scarcity mindset can really take a backseat. I don't think it's real. Like, mm -hmm. I think there's, there is, um, we do need to have more people who know what they're doing. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um... No optimism allowed. <laughs> Closer to the mic. I can't hear you. I want to be optimistic in the sense of there is a limiting factor about learning how to learn all things that are required to be able to affect someone's health in this way. And I do feel that, you know, you use something like social media, it's a fantastic tool, but it's also not an amazing tool in some cases to be able to convey information where people mm -hmm. get a really good understanding. And my hope is that, you know, eventually things will come out in the wash. The, the influencers or the people who are, are reporting stuff, it's not what you would classify as good information because you said you wanted to see good information. The people who are in search for that will eventually find it. Mm -hmm. And they will find it through whatever medium, I guess, vibrates or resonates with them. But it's also going to take a little bit of time. You know, we're in an age where people are used to watching 10 to 15 second videos and they get most of their information in a digestible way from someone who can speak really well or who can put it very concisely in a way that's easily understandable. I think that if people want to elevate themselves and move towards being a different caliber of professional, there still is no other way. You can't shortcut the process of, I don't want to use the word mastery, but um, there's a reason why, you know, people spend an entire lifetime trying to master a skill set, you know, like a, and it's probably even longer than that in some cases, right? The 10,000 hour rule. 
I know, but you're just slow. Um, <laughs> fundamentally, uh, what I would like to be able to do is just you know, raise the caliber of what it is we're doing as health professionals, because Jordan's right, there is a health crisis looming. We have a sick population. And even beyond athletics, um, you know, most people's clients aren't professional athletes. They're people who want to get healthy. So arming them with a necessary skill set to deal with the inevitable conversation that comes up. Like if you spend three to four hours a week with someone, like Jordan said, you're becoming their general practitioner. You know about their diet, you know about their sleep habits. You probably should get a psychological degree to deal with some of the problems they talk to you about. But fundamentally, you're going to be their first point of advice. And, you know, if you have the ability to find a network of people who can, you can outsource to when it's above, you know, the abilities that you have, but people are paying you for exercise, but they're always extracting more. So a way to increase your client base and your business and then improve retention is becoming much better as a holistic, complete health professional. Conversations I hear from other clients and trainers is so much more than just how many reps of this. And I think, you know, I, I work with a lot of these coaches, strength coaches and trainers, and I have a lot of respect for them. They're not just rep counters. They really are. They, they keep people accountable and they get results by, they change people's lives. And it's the effect of that is so much more than just having a six pack. So yeah, this is where it's, I'm getting excited. So yeah, it, it's going to, it's going to be cool. We're close to coming out with it. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. And I think a different that's word. A... <laughs> what's, what's a better word than excited? Excited, joyful, ecstatic, gleeful, gleeful, ecstatic. Gleeful just reminds me of glee though. Yeah. And I think you guys are right too about like the fall off point of things too, because if you truly took the time, I think hopefully the population are going to start demanding um, more from all health professionals, which would be a huge goal of mine that um, we start standing up for our health, we start asking more questions. And I think um, anyone who's not in it for the right reasons is going to fall off because of how much work it takes to um, delve into a person's entire life and like know them from start to finish and um, care about their family and their kids mm -hmm. and care about, you know, when they get traded or you know, making sure they're setting up for success with the new team that they're going to and all that sort of stuff. So I think, um, Roland, you're right. It's going to start to, you know, the influencers and all that sort of stuff will probably start to drop off when they realize how much intensity it actually takes to take on, you know, the certain amount of clientele and treat them all as individuals and give them all exactly what they need, right? Yeah, science also has this habit of not standing still, right? So the things that are being regurgitated by mm -hmm. many people um, and I'm not, I'm not saying these people are doing anything wrong. It's just more like, you know, if, if you're someone who's translating complex stuff to the masses, that's fantastic. You're giving them, you're hooking their interest. But like you just said, there is a limitation to where people will stop receiving beneficial outcomes from these things and they're going to want more. They're going to say, now what? And you, you just actually, this, this conversation happened today. I was training with someone and he's, maybe 12% body fat, the guy I was training with. And he looks to our coach and he's like, I, uh, I know this seems like a weird segue, but he's like, what do you think about intermittent fasting? I want intermittent fast. Because an influencer all over the place now is talking about intermittent fasting. And he looked at him, he goes, like, you know, intermittent fasting is good for some people, but not everyone. And, and he made it, he had the knowledge to combat like what this influencer was saying. And that's the other thing that gets me excited about this course is, you know, trainers are getting, they're dealing with, um, 
I want to say not opposition, but like I go online on YouTube and I can search all these things. And I have some guy on YouTube who I don't want to say for sure, but is using either fake weights or CGI or not CGI, um, Photoshop to like put on abs and make them look lean. And Hey, I can eat whatever I want. I still got a six pack. So they, they, you know, it's easy as a consumer to fall into that trap and a trainer really needs to know how to arm themselves against this type of information. Cause yes, intermittent fasting has a time and place. From my opinion, if you're already 12% body fat and you're super lean and you're somebody who seems to be naturally lean, maybe intermittent fasting isn't the best thing for you if you're training really hard. But the trainer's taken so much education that he was actually able to um, appropriately like debunk what he was saying. And yeah, I, I think that's something that trainers have to have at top of their mind. Trainers and strength coaches like you're, it's not like it was 20 years ago where it, this information wasn't readily available everywhere. And as I think you're, as a client, like I want my coach to be able to, to take me through this and put me into the right path. Mm. What are you guys smiling at over there? My girlfriend's in the corner making faces at us. <laughs> like, is she making fun of my hand motions? Or? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And like I'll, uh, more of us getting on the same page about things, I think would be really beneficial and helpful as well. So um, I work at a multidisciplinary clinic and um, when patients sit down who have just seen the chiropractor or just seen the physiotherapist and the physio kind of transferred all of the information of the case to me. So I'm not re-asking the same stuff. I'm getting like deeper, more exploratory on, you know, their um, injury past and all that sort of stuff and what their actual presentation is. If more of us could kind of talk to trainers and figure out exactly what they're doing and how I could be beneficial instead of repeating the same thing or, uh, you know, providing contradictory information. I think that would be huge too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, with you guys, again, I'm going to turn around on you. How often do you have patients coming into you and they read some article somewhere from a source that might not be reliable or they saw something on Instagram and now you have to go in and really either disarm what they're saying or showing them why that might not be beneficial. Does it happen? very often to the two of you? Probably all day, every day. And the tricky, the most challenging thing I personally find about it, and I don't know, Roland, if you feel the same, is like, I can't really combat against celery juice. Like, celeries are great for you. There's a great vegetable. There's nothing really inherently wrong with it. But it's just like, it's such like a higher level piece of information that you're trying to get it to do. So um, all of these little trends and stuff that come out, I can't necessarily negate them, but I'm just trying to like convey a higher level amount of information. So not each dietary trend or not each pill is, you know, being bought and picked up because um, technically, yes, like, I don't know, antioxidants, antioxidants could be good in some respect. Do you need them from every new, I don't know, fruit that i've never heard of probably not right yeah like how often have we seen trends change like keto paleo candida intermittent fasting now um but that's not necessarily a scientific thing that's more of a consumer industry thing right, right? yeah why i think your course is so important you yeah. got to give people a real true scientific foundation to be able to navigate through there's a degree of objectivity with the stuff that you have to be able to understand and the position that you need to take when it comes to you know, there are things that we have been generally accepted. And as a result of being generally accepted, we know them to be true because they haven't been proven as false. It's the subject of stuff that comes in that's a little more challenging. So to the point Jordan asked about, 
if someone wants to put forth an ideal, you know, you can encourage it by saying, yeah, if you're eating fast food and someone starts drinking celery juice, keep doing that. That's great. Mm, yeah. I will maybe open up the perspective to them that they're thinking about that thing in too small a scope mm -hmm. to where it's like, you're thinking it's going to do this. Here's where it plugs in in a beneficial way. You encourage the behavior. If you think it's good, you mm -hmm. congratulate them for doing it but you want to add something that synergizes that ultimately gets a more robust outcome of what they're wanting to do or accomplish as a goal. Now, I mean, there isn't, you know, this, there's an art to managing client work. That's not science and clinical work. And it's, it's the confluence of all of them coming together that really allows you to, um, I guess, coach and, and encourage a person to get to the outcome they want. Yeah. Yeah. Come to us. Yeah, it's all the motivation piece behind it. And like, kind of, as you said, say, hey, that's a great option. Like, you should definitely start including that and then try to like continually educate on the, the bigger picture and how like, you know, some things are negating other things like celery juice is not a cure all for the worst diet ever, right? And, mm -hmm. and keto in some contexts is not really that helpful for, you know, specifically burnt out women, like maybe not the best option or intermittent fasting, as you said, for such a low body fat, like there's so many contextual and individualized things that we have to consider. Um, and I think, yeah, if more people were on the same page with that, I would be so excited. It's coming. You know, celery used to be a prize if you won the Olympics, like back in ancient Greece. That wouldn't be a lot of incentive. To no, but it was really powerful. They viewed it as a powerful aphrodisiac and like for male. Um, if I wanted to put celery in your fridge. Yeah. <laughs> celery is really good at I, I want to say a fun fact about celery but I don't think it's appropriate for this podcast but we'll but say question. it and we'll delete it if we have celery, to right? celery can very uh, can make huge increases in your seminal load size so if somebody's trying to <laughs> if someone's trying to get pregnant uh, a good Jordan Boxer 416 no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's uh, it's a great it's a great natural it's good for healing your gut it's an aromatase inhibitor uh, also yeah it's, it's awesome to put almond butter on as a delivery system you need to, I think butter. I think for the the original benefit needs to be celery juice and you do four stocks a day minimum like for like um, like a cup a day of it should help uh, but yeah, so they used to give it as a prize if you won the Olympics. Virility, that's where you wanted this to go, right, Nicole? Yeah, exactly right there. Uh, all the benefits of celery, I think, is the name of this podcast. Let's <laughs> just transition. To I love it. Um, what has been, like, motivational for you guys? Or, like, how did you guys get down this path? Or why are you passionate about this at all? Let me start. Go for it. Um... I've always been a little into like ways to use nature to hack myself to get healthier. But really what happened is I was 22 or 23 years old. Actually, my mom was 50, which makes me 20. Yeah, I was 22. Your mom was? No, okay, like this no, happened. No. Like she was 50 when I, cause I went, I remember going away for a 50th birthday too. I gotcha. And um, I was somebody who I was working full time, going to school part time and bartending um, on the weekends or bar backing at that point and also training in Muay Thai like three hours a night. And so I, I was super active and I had the energy to do it. I was always a very energetic person. And then I went away on this trip. I came home. I went from 150 pounds to like 138 within a week. I got super drained. I couldn't stay up more than two or three hours and my life completely changed. So at that point, I actually wanted to get into finance. I wanted to work in um, like green energy 
like to raise money for green energy. I took environmental science in school. And luckily for me, my dad is friends with a medical doctor who was also a naturopath, like one of the first MDND types. And he was like, I didn't understand at the time, but he's like, you have leaky gut, like what Roland was talking about, and you need to cut out bread and dairy and we have to do some other things. I heard that as I'm lactose intolerant. That's, that's what I heard when he told me that. But either way, he got me a little bit better. And then I started going to a tra traditional Chinese medicine person and consistently went for acupuncture three times a week, plus the herbs and some other things I was doing. And my health got back to 80%. So I went for like a good year suffering where like at 22 or 23, like zero libido as a man, which was, you know, not, one, enough, celery. not enough celery. Like what was going on? <laughs> Couldn't concentrate in school, couldn't work. Like I couldn't, I physically couldn't get through a shift at either my full-time job or my, I had to stop bar backing at night. I couldn't do it anymore. I almost died a few times driving home at three in the morning because I was so tired. I almost crashed. Like it was, it was really bad. And um, this thing gave me my life back because, and that's where all, I have all this gratitude for our industry. If it wasn't for that, I don't know where I would have ended up. Like I probably wouldn't have been able to leave my parents' basement. I would have probably been living there still because I couldn't, I couldn't hold a job. And I, I know it's funny, but like, that's where this passion comes from. And I was someone who was very healthy, active, was going to go compete in Muay Thai and MMA. Like that's, that was the path. And I just, all my energy got taken from me. So, and it really was from some rant. I don't even know what happened to this day. Like, I don't know if I picked up a bug or something when I was away, but it happened that quickly. And then being able to get my health back, now I'm a lot more versatile. I can handle things. So that's where the passion really comes from. And I think, again, like we were mentioning, if we influence these top performers, that's going to trickle down to sort of everybody. Definitely. Now what I about hand, you, Roland? I hand the mic over to you. My story is quite interesting because there's kind of been two motivating paths. There was a path of athletics that was competing in, in kickboxing and Muay Thai, and I wanted to go pro as well until I realized that you know, getting the shit kicked out of you for a couple hundred bucks probably wasn't a good career path. Um, but while I was doing that, I became very focused on getting competitive advantages. So it was first training, then it became more about diet and recovery processes. And that path took me down the professional route. But um, personally speaking, I had to watch a parent go through cancer at a young age, and I had to watch um, the other parents struggle with mental health issues starting when I was six years old, and that's gone till this day. Um, so I'd probably want to think that my subconscious wanted to help save everyone else because there was no ability to save my own family. Uh, so that pushed me to learn the details behind everything because you hear a lot of stuff, right? This, you have depression because your genetics are predisposing you to depression because your mother had it or your grandmother. And for me, it was like, that can't be it. So um, those two paths merged when I went back to school for nutrition and biochemistry. Uh, after studying at the school, I started teaching there and I wanted more. I didn't know functional medicine existed at this time. So I started doing a lot of my own studying because again, this what, why, how thing, this neuroses in my brain of wanting to know the complete picture just kept driving me more and more. And I actually started a podcast and I was interviewing all these professionals, learning so much. And I thought, hell, this is this is where I want to be. So then I started studying functional medicine at the same time. And one of the people I interviewed eventually started to mentor me for a while. And I traveled around the world studying something called health optimization. I was running a clinic in Asia. I was lecturing in hospitals, I was lecturing in the US, attending conferences in Europe. 
Um, and then when it came time to put all this together, I finally said, okay, it's time for me to place my stake in the ground and kind of establish my own spin or perspective on how we see health. And, you know, that's allowed me to start working for an awesome company like Designs for Sport as a consultant, work clinically, and also do a lot of my own research. Um, you know, I always used to say I wanted to do what no one else would so I can do what no one else can. And it's awesome that I'm now getting paid to research and create all these education courses. At the same time, I get to help people who've been struggling with their health. I like to see the cases who no one can figure out, but the thing that I really love is helping people find optimal performance. That's why I like working with executives and pro athletes because they're willing to go to that level for their outcome. And obviously that level does involve quite a commitment when it comes to time and financial investment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, uh, that's, that's what drives me forward passionately. And that's, I'm very, very fortunate and happy to be, be able to do what I do. Yeah, I love that. That's a, like, both unique paths to get you to come, like, a similar place, you know? We, I would have won if we fought, by the way. <laughs> if you had a steps to win. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, at least his torso more? is the same size as yours, right? Yeah, I mean, um, like, legs don't matter in boxing. <laughs> Or especially not kickboxing, right? You know, rolling on something though, and so he used to like used at hospitals. Mm -hmm. And what's crazy to me, or what was crazy to me when I came into this industry, was realizing how little a traditional medical doctor knew about nutrition. Mm -hmm. I actually introduced the idea that leaky gut can raise cholesterol levels through a group of cardiologists, and they had never heard of that before. Well, because they focus on yeah, like they. I think in Canada, I don't want to be wrong here. It's like one class, not mm -hmm. one course. Not like four months, like it's eight to ten hours. Of nutrition. Yeah, it's like eight to ten hours of nutrition, and these are the keepers of our health, is what we're taught when we're younger. But you know, up until recently, like they, what, what was the guidelines you get, like the Canada food guidelines? But you can't be angry at doctors no, because it's no. not what they're paid for. It's just people throw venom at them for not knowing. But it's like you don't get angry at your electrician for not knowing your plumbing, right? So it's you have to put right. it in context. No, no, I, I, yeah. I agree with you. I'm just saying it's like from a consumer side. Yeah, if, I was, if I like when I or not even consumer side, when I started getting into this industry and I was I was blown away by that fact because I thought for sure that they knew nutrition inside and out. Yeah. Sort of working together rather yeah. than being at odds and oppositional with each other. 100%. I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I think um, one of the challenges I face, especially here in Nova Scotia, is we're behind the times uh, than most of Canada for health. And I think, um, you know, the most frustrating or infuriating thing probably I can imagine for a patient would be to have one healthcare practitioner tell you one thing and have another healthcare practitioner tell you that it's a joke or that's not real or you just wasted all of your money, you know? And what a horrible spot to put a person in. Um, and like lose faith in things too. So building that rapport is obviously huge, but do you guys face some of that as well? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's inevitable when people have opinions and, and biases. I mean, ego can be a, a malicious thing when it comes to confusing a consumer who has no knowledge. The thing I always try to do is to make the client feel comfortable, never shit on what they've been told in the past, even if I disagree with it. Um, and if, if, at all an opportunity. I always try to work in conjunction with their medical practitioner. Um, and I always impose where my bandwidth begins and ends. Like I'm not going to be influencing your pharmacological interventions. I'm not going to do anything about your drugs because I can't, but mm -hmm. if you're going to stay on them, you know, drugs work better in healthier people. So let's mm -hmm. get you healthier nonetheless. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a great point too. And I think I love that point about, you know, not bashing any healthcare practitioner and even kind of what you had said earlier. I think that's huge because ideally the goal is to build such good relationships that we can see value in each other and we can just continually build a network that's really functional for the health and wellness of a patient, right? We're all trying to do the same thing, whether we go about it in different ways. Like the the end goal is we want to help. We want to provide service and, and assistance. So that's the... The guiding light that I think we should all keep in our minds before we start getting angry at who does this or who does that differently or who's better or who's worse. It's, it's not, not a fair comparison. Do you find that um, practitioners are more able now to speak to each other than let's say if you, cause like when I, when I first started again, like I started in this industry in 2010, so 10 years ago, if a naturopath wanted to to a medical doctor, it was always met with a lot of resistance if they shared a patient. Did a lawyer show up on each side? Lawyer <laughs> showed up. Uh, do you find, as a naturopath, even though you're in Nova Scotia, that if you do want to communicate with their traditional healthcare provider, that the conversation is not as stressful as it used to be or as combative as it used to be? Uh, no, I still find it quite is. Um, and a lot of, I kind of feel bad for the patient a little bit because they're, um, a lot of the feedback that I hear or kind of what they're relaying to me is like, I don't want to bring up blood work to my doctor because um, they don't like that I'm seeing a naturopath or um, like hesitancy for writing letters to other medical practitioners because it's kind of the patient has to deal with it. It's not me mm-hmm. necessarily that's always mm-hmm. dealing with it. Um, and the best of my knowledge, it's very much like write the letters as well-worded and open as possible and um, just to see what's possible, you know, to work together on that front. So it's a little bit different in Nova Scotia. We do have like a massive doctor shortage as well. So my heart goes out to them trying to do the absolute best they can with the time that they have. Um, And really kind of, as Roland said, like they're for most part, like they're there to do the best that they can in the the allotted time that they have. Um, Whereas I get an hour and 15 minutes with the patient, you know, so it's so different. I think time will have to go by and I mean, things converge as time goes on. It's going to likely be one of those situations. It's, um, I mean, we have an interesting medical system in this country and there are limitations imposed by how the structure is put in place. And as long as people can accept that and move forwards, people will seek out what it is they want because they'll be disenchanted with what's offered for free. Yeah. But I'm thinking like, like today I was in a smaller town in Ontario and um, they had a bakery that was allergen free bakery. So like when I first went gluten free, it was like impossible to find anything. And now it's like even these smaller towns. So, you know, I do think there is a hope that like what I'm, what's my point that there's a allergen free bakery in this town is I think that overall, like people are, so you can get your cookie when you're in small towns i get it (laughs) um no but i think like if we're seeing it pop up more and more eventually the the medical system is going to follow i think i guess um yeah, you heard it today, folks, on September 9th. Allergen <laughs> free baked goods. Um, it's called Buddha It's Inc. medical utopia. It's, medical. <laughs> it's coming down the line. No, okay, fun question. What about um, like best intervention you guys have individually used to improve performance? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, you go first. <laughs> best intervention to improve performance? Yeah. 
you uh, have personally used. So in prefacing this, everything is so individualized. Please do not go rush out and buy this product or start this intervention. Talk to a medical health professional. I'm not going to go with a product or I'm not going to say any specific thing. Um, what I noticed for me, it was a drastic change. I used to deal with some GI issues. And there was a lot of those, you know, like almost cliche symptoms, be it brain fog or bloating, abdominal distension, mood changes. Um, working on my GI system, I couldn't believe the difference in how I felt everywhere else in every other context. Getting leaner, getting um, my, improving my energy levels, sleeping better. So I would say that that is probably the lowest hanging fruit of all health professionals, especially for athletes, because shocking as it might be, athletes have even worse gut health than the average person because you can induce leaky gut by excessive exercise. So for me, working on the GI system was such a massive bonus to how I felt because I didn't know that I had problems until I realized I had problems. It's like the, uh, the awareness piece. You don't know how crappy you feel until you feel good. Mm -hmm. So it's the perspective or the comparison that allows you that. So that, that is mine. And yeah. Jordan's sitting on the edge of his seat, twitchy, and he's going to tell your heads. No, no, he's excited. <laughs> no, no, I, well, listen. So uh, honestly, mine's going to be a little different. Like, first thing is meditation in my life. That was definitely like a huge change. And then giving up the ownership to have to know everything and doing it myself. So what I found is the noise I would hear because I was surrounded by experts everywhere I went in my job. Um, and what I would listen to, to try to make my own plan was too difficult. So I found actually handing over control. Like I have a trainer who does my strength and conditioning. I have someone who deals with my, oh yeah, I'm pointing to him, but we're not on video. I have someone who deals with like my health optimization. I have a medical doctor that I deal with. That's a functional medicine doctor and can do my lab work. And I think, you know, like we've been sort of alluding to, no one person is going to have all the answers, but I can't get too involved anymore because I will throw things off and I'm, I'm, by doing that, you sort of sabotage yourself. So um, yeah, that, that's sort of been my biggest thing is actually finding people that I resonate with and trusting them with my health journey rather than just putting all the onus on myself. Cool. Uh, juice. And it, I was going to say that. I'm like, yeah, celery juice. Uh, <laughs> three cups a day. I have one last like kind of nerdy question and then one last like kind of fun one. So for the nerdy one, um, what is your guys' take on blood work? So I get a lot of, not necessarily pushback, but comments in the higher level athletics of all the blood work is coming back normal. And um, I know from experience and anecdotal evidence that there's a lot to this. So what's your guys' take on it? Uh, I'll go quick and then Roland's probably going to be a little bit more in depth, but the normal part of blood work is really like, what is normal? No, like the range is meant by the population. So, you know, one thing Charles Poliquin taught us is in 50 years, the testosterone range has dropped seven times. So some, if you were, if you were below range 50 years ago, you are now in the normal range, which to me isn't a good thing. That means we're less healthy as a population. So um, you know, let's say me as a patient, I love blood work because it gives me an objective number to look at. But again, I don't think the normal ranges are, they're not going to get you optimal. Like what, what, what's normal isn't really optimal. I think there, there is a difference between like functional medicine normal and standard normal. That's my little answer as a non-clinician, but I'll hand it over to Roland. The only thing I will add to that is 
when looking at something like blood work, there's two important things that I always kind of, you know, convey as a message. The first thing is perspective. It's knowing how to look at it. So Jordan said it very well. Most routine blood work is scanning for what? Really out, massive outliers in someone's biochemistry, right? So you're only going to find serious disease with most routine blood work. The second thing is context. It's understanding who. So when you're looking at thyroid panels, they probably take an age range between three and 93. So if you're someone who's 40 years old, those numbers might not be all that relevant to you. So it's understanding the context of who you're, you're applying it to. What I love about blood work when you have kind of free reign is you can run specific things to look for patterns because the body will always give clues and patterns. Certain things being high can correlate with certain things being low and it can give you more um, confidence in making a call as to what might be really going on in that person's body. There are some amazingly useful panels like looking at basic inflammatory markers. If they're up and you don't have a diagnosed disease, something's up, so you need to take some action. But the vast majority of blood work is probably one step removed from what I would call metabolomics, where you're looking at you know, specific functional markers of health, which gives you much more real-time evidence of what's going on inside the body in the here and now. But still with lab testing, you have to understand that it's a snapshot in time. It is not everything that's entirely representative of that person. If you don't cross-reference those things with someone's symptoms, someone's lifestyle habits, someone's dietary practices, someone's exercise routine, stress levels, um, you're not taking in the whole picture. So it's a piece of it. It's a great piece because it's objective. But if you don't understand how to put those objective markers in context, it's not the most useful thing in the world. It's my five cents. And I also think you need it more than once a year. Like I, I get mine done every, like my functional medicine doctor wants it done every six to nine weeks, which seems excessive. But if you're on plans, like you can't really track trends. And then I've had the odd test that was completely like, can I swear on here? I've done it. Completely fucked up. Like I, I did one where I went away and he, you know, I, I, cause I can check cause I do gamma dimethyl and my thyroid looked like I had, I had, um, uh, hypothyroid to like the worst degree. My cortisol was in the toilet. My liver looked completely messed up. And if that was my only test, I'd been really worried cause it looked really bad. And then two weeks later I did another test and everything normalized. So sometimes I think having like a constant, um, things to look at is really important to see trends because you don't know like what if you just had a really bad week and it threw some markers off like mm -hmm. it's that is also very possible and then sometimes you know markers might look really good but that could have been because you had a really good week so i think having a consistent basis of looking at your stuff is how you're really going to um see if there's constant change and if you're actually in a good in a good place yeah i agree i love your guys's answer and i agree kind of wholeheartedly with all of that and um there's a lot of push sometimes to you of of doctors like not wanting to continue to write it. So I really encourage patients to like invest in their health and, and, you know, buy it, which kind of sucks because it's out of pocket when in theory you could get it for free through the healthcare system. But, you know, that's another piece of like pushing towards um, optimal performance and optimal health. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. And you know, like when it comes to the money thing, um, living is very expensive. So like your health should be the most expensive thing because you're getting more years added onto your life. Like it's a good thing if you're the most expensive thing someone goes to because you're giving them an extra two, three years or five years or whatever is in life extension plus a quality of life. Like I think it's, it's the most important thing to spend money on. So to do this test, even if it's a couple hundred dollars every few months is probably very worth it. Mm -hmm. And even when we run our functional medicine labs, like that's out of pocket. Mm -hmm. 
And it's not something you can do once. It's the same idea. Like you have to do it to really see if there's change, if, if what you're doing is working. And this is important to anyone, whether you're a super high performing athlete or just your general population trying to get healthier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really, really, really educated guesses that we're mm -hmm. making. So based on the lab work that we see, based on the functional medicine tests and based on how they're presenting the best guess approaches to do this, right. And nothing mm -hmm. in medicine is, has a finality to it. Right. So that's why like the retest and, and continuation of progression and, and check-ins are so important. Right. And I don't know where I heard this, but that's why medicine and, and even I view training, their arts, they're not as much as we want to say they're sciences and like, this is definitive. You're, you're in a medical practice. You're not, it's, it's an art. It's something that consistently needs that, that mind to, to sort of guide it and, and change and go with the flow sometimes and adapt to what's being, what's being shown. Yeah, definitely. Um, f last fun kind of question. I don't know. I think it's fun. What about um, like the craziest athlete story you've ever worked with? What happened and what was the outcome? I got a pretty cool one, actually. So I have a client who's an offensive lineman in the NFL. And he was referred to me by another NFL player. And uh, he had a background as uh, he's a biochem major in, in college. So he's a very intelligent guy. And he had a lot of skepticism surrounding doing the specific tests I wanted to do with him. And he's a large guy. He was like 300 and something pounds, 313, 314. So we went through the whole round of lab testing. We did six months of intervention work before we did our retest. As he was doing this, his team, which shall remain nameless, kind of started shitting on the process he was going through. But after everything we did, he had dropped body fat as an offensive lineman, yet he had added almost 10 pounds to his body weight. So they wanted to test him for anabolic steroids. And he said, no, 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 this is what I'm doing. They would not look at the labs he was doing, or they wouldn't speak to me about what it is he was doing. They just wanted to assure that he was not taking performance-enhancing substances because they'd never seen uh, a transformation of someone that large when you have a drop in body fat with a rise in muscle mass and overall body weight when you're already 314 pounds. So that's pretty wow. cool thing for me. Yeah, definitely. People are always going to be curious, like, what did you do for him? Lots of McDonald's. You do the, um, you do the course, you'll learn. Uh, yeah, do the course, famous plug. Uh, I remember specifically for him, he had issues with certain markers of energy metabolism. Uh, he had a lot of GI disturbances that he was manifesting both symptomatically as well as based upon lab testing. Uh, and because he was the size he was, uh, his protein markers and the kind of proteins he was eating were the most allergenic or responsive ones that came back on a series of tests. So a lot of it, you know, if, if you allow the human body to relieve itself from constant bombardment of immune activation and inflammation, you know, inflammation compromises energy metabolism. And the only thing that can burn fat or convert energy into your body, these little guys in your cells called mitochondria, you know, powerhouse of the cell from grade nine biology. <laughs> uh, and if you allow the body to work more effectively and more efficiently, things that happen, even though you're not targeting them, like dropping body fat, increasing muscle mass, improving energy levels, they're a happy side effect of just being healthier overall. And that's why, for me, that's why the health breeds performance or health optimizes performance story will never be something that I will not argue for in favor of. Mm. Um, I got a call once at 11 o'clock at night on like a Monday 
and it was from a client of mine who was dealing with a professional athlete. I won't even say the sport, but um, I got a call being like, so weed's legal in or decriminalized here, but it's not really uh, allowed for this player in this sport. And he just found out he has to do his blood test. And if it comes back positive, then um, it's, it's like four games he has to sit out. And when you're making $9 million a year, that's a lot of money. So what can we do? And I was just like, wait, why am I getting this call? I'm your supplement rep. And there's like, what can you do to detox? So, uh, so it doesn't show up. So this is where I deferred to one of my mentors uh, who might know better at this. And I, I stepped out. But that's probably my funniest athlete story. So I went over to his house at like, one in the morning or we're sitting in his kitchen trying to discuss plans and i'm like this isn't really what i'm going to do or what i know what to do so i i referred it out but yeah that's that's my athlete story I don't know. yeah that's my athlete story. celery and drugs and <laughs> i love it though man yeah like i'm so stoked for this company and i literally like tell everyone about it for timeline wise and how excited i am and like just reiterating the valuation that i put on this and even the initial lines that Designs for Health has and how much research that goes into it um, really makes me excited for the future of what you guys are going to pull out for this too. So um, any last words on uh, the company or what we're expecting or timelines or? Um, so we were supposed to launch back in June, July, but COVID, uh, in case anyone doesn't know, there's this thing called COVID going on. <laughs> so uh, our because the approval process takes a little bit of time because of that NSF certified for sport, our timeline got pushed back, but we're looking really good for the beginning of October. Um, Roland's course should hopefully be done by the end of September and be ready for the beginning of October as well. So I think for the last quarter of the year, we're going to see our products and some education. A big thing we wanted to do was um, in-person events, which I don't know when we're going to be able to do those with everything that's going on. Um, we wanted to do them all across North America, but also have a vacation series of like going to Dominican Republic for five days and learning really cool stuff while training and having fun. And yeah, so that's, that's also in the, in the plan. So hopefully everything by next year is going to be able to fully take off, but beginning of October looks to be a good time for, remember when we said world domination at the very yeah. beginning, like that's, that's kind of a sly joke, but it's. Not in a negative context. It's really doing everything and anything to make this, I know, I want to call it an addiction to health and wellness and performance and fun. Yeah. Like, um, you know, the idea of a, like a three-day or four-day course in Spain where we're going to talk about hypertrophy and actually doing the two or three-a-days that you put your athletes through and actually training and learning the theory and eating well and being with friends. And we want to create a whole experience with Designs for Sports. So it's not – it's really not just a supplement company. We're also, we have a podcast that's going to be coming out where we'd love to have you as a guest. And one of your previous guests is actually hosting it for us, Sylvie. Well, nice. With Adrian, who both work at, at Gary's and they have their own podcast called Championship Lifestyle. So yeah, we want to, we really want to be the master of all, not just the jack of all trades, but like to be able to offer some really cool things and I, I don't want to sound pretentious, but like revolutionize the, the space and not just be a supplement company. It's not just about protein. It's, it's going to be much deeper than that. You're building an empire. I love it. <laughs> sure. And I would be remiss to like, let you guys go without asking 
a supplement company that's not actually a supplement company and is so much bigger than that um, about like one of their go-tos for supplements. And I know there's so much um, dependent on this, but the biggest question I always get asked is like, what are your top three supplements for health? And I'm like, it depends for everyone who asked me that question. Um, but would you guys have some baseline go-tos that you throw out? Um, I would probably say that the vast majority of people not knowing what they're afflicted with would benefit from a high quality digestive enzyme that contains HCL bile and a complementary complex of enzymes, um, a really good high quality multivitamin or a mitochondrial energy support formula, uh, a full spectrum essential fatty acid supplement, which I think is very underutilized. Um, and then, you know, here and there, you can talk about other things like probiotics and, and various other inclusions. But I would say if people get those three, it covers as many of your bases that I think people neglect due to modern lifestyle and dietary practices. Cool. Jordy, what about I, you? I would agree, but I would add my favorite go-to personally is something called, it's NeuroComplex, it designs for sport. So it's magnesium three and eight. It's the only magnesium that can cross the blood-brain barrier. And Magnesium itself is amazing, but for me personally, I found I sleep better, my brain works better. Um, it's a staple of mine. I suffer from migraines from concussions, and when I take that supplement consistently, I find my migraine frequency goes right down. So that's a really big one for me. Uh, I love our mito, our mito complex is a staple, especially because of my go 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 life. And let's see, I got my little thing over here. Oh, I mean, me personally, uh, uh, dim. So we won't be able to do dim in the in the sport line because um, you can't NSF or certify sport dim. But um, NSF, what would I say? That's funny. <laughs> it's okay. Keep going. NSF certified for sport <laughs> dim. It's a, it's been. A while. Um, but you know, it's funny. I took environmental science in school, and I didn't know I was going to get into nutrition. But if I look back in my second year, one thing we really focused on were endocrine, endocrine disruptors. Mm -hmm. And the idea that, and I think this is a big issue where there's, there's too much estrogen out there, especially the bad type. Uh, so being a man who I don't want to have high levels of estrogen, I find the DIM is a really good supplement to have and something that I'll probably have to take for the rest of my life just because of where we live and, um, you know, birth control showing up in your water and it can disrupt a lot of things. A lot of the foods you eat, you know, most meats you eat are female animals. So, it's to me, that's a staple, something that I don't think most people would think of, but personally, that's a staple for me. Awesome. Yeah. I think like even the last four sentences there would blow a lot of people's minds in terms of even just breaking down some of that information and how all that works. So I'd love to have you guys back someday and chat some more, um, you know, optimal performance techniques too. That's sure. Awesome. This was cool. Awesome. This is the first podcast I've done a not in front of the person and B with someone else on a Zoom. So is it, this is fun to, to try this out. I was here I for think... relief and quips. <laughs> I feel like we were all very polite. We let each other speak. It was good. Anyways, guys, thanks so much for coming on. And it was awesome to talk to you. And again, so excited about this. And uh, yeah. well, this education course sounds amazing. Designsforsport.com. Just a little plug if you want to find us. Designsforsport.com. Designs with an S. Can we follow we you on Insta? The one stop. <laughs> and what about on Insta? Do you guys have an Insta account? Yeah, it's at Designs for Sport. 
All right. Awesome. So everyone go check them out. Okay. Thanks again, guys. We'll have you back for sure. Wait, what's your favorite supplement? Oh, mine? Um, yeah. I think like due to my concussion history, the mitochondrial matrix stuff is huge. Um, Mito- and then, mitochondrial complex. Well, I didn't get the, I didn't get to try complex yet. Oh, okay. We just have mito or I just have mito energy. That mito energy is mito complex. Yeah. Um, so mitochondrial stuff is huge for me. And then also, um, any sort of like brain optimization thing. So I love like the alpha GPC seems to work mm-hmm. really, really well for me. And, um, my biggest issue was always like finding my words or like getting lost in conversation sometimes, or just trailing look up off. That happens like actually physically look up and yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll try that out. That's a good and tip. We're going to have the only GPC liquid in the whole NSF certified for sport market. So. I know the UFC is going to be pumped for that. Wait, what? Yeah, if you don't cut us off, but you know, we can, we've all run our own podcast here. So we'll just roll reverse now. Just keep going and going. Hey, well, thanks so much guys. And we'll uh, chat soon again. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.